Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. I thank you that bodies are being healed. I thank you that chronic pain is going in the name of Jesus. I thank you that terminal diseases are healed in the name of Jesus. I thank you that marriages are healed in the name of Addictions are broken. Jesus didn't leave anything out. Paid for it all. Holy Spirit. Presence is so nice, so great, so wonderful. I pray that as your word goes forth today, Holy Spirit, that you would root it deep. That it would find good soil. And it would bear fruit. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Change us. Conform us to the image of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. that before I trip over it, because that could happen. Get the lights up in the sanctuary, please. One. Well, I'm glad to be back today. Chris and I definitely missed uh, missed our family here at City Reach last Sunday. And I appreciate Phil, uh, Kite for filling in and bringing a really solid word on marriage last week. Challenge me. That's good. Should. But uh, new respect for my wife. I saw my wife wrestle with a demon last weekend, and she won. <laughs> she she wasn't giving up on this one. That was good. Good. Had a really good trip. Uh, was able to minister at the uh, Assemblies of God conference in Panama, their uh, national uh, conference last weekend, and was able to preach Sunday morning. It's always fun to preach with an interpreter. Uh, my friend Salvador, if you guys remember Salvador, anybody met Salvador? My interpreter. And he's going to be here next month, so we'll get to hear from Salvador next month. He's going to be here, I think, the middle of uh, next month. We're looking forward to that. Well, today's Baptism Sunday. We get one more light, one more set of lights on up here. I can't really see. Um, I'm not sure how to turn them on. If anybody knows. 
Does anybody know how to turn lights on? <laughs> Just these two lights up here. I want to be able to see uh, Pastor Jay. All right. So we're going to do baptisms at the end of the service today. There we go. Thank you. Uh, how many today are here that signed up in advance for baptism? Can I see your hand? Okay, good. Real good. So at the end of service, when we call, we're going to have baptisms. I'll give just a couple <coughs> words of instruction now. I want you to come up uh, to the front here and sit in the first two rows. And then Pastor Jay will, will announce your name. You'll come up. We'll uh, do your baptism. And if you want to say a few words, you can. And then, uh, and then Kristen and Autumn will uh, help you down off the stage and give you a towel if you forgot one. Anybody forget a towel? Ah, yeah, Andy, of course. <laughs> we got you covered, bro. Well, I want to talk to you today, before we get to there, I want to talk to you about a, a subject and if you have your Bibles, you want to, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Really, it's probably one of my favorite four or five verses in the whole Bible. It's got so much uh, meat in it. But there's one word that rings throughout this, uh, this, this whole passage. And it's the word reconciliation. Reconciliation. So the, the verb is to reconcile. The noun is reconciliation. We see this word appears five times. Uh, in this passage. And you'll recognize verse 17. Uh, it's the one we talk about a lot, about being a new creation in Christ. But I want to read down through verse 21. So probably the two most popular verses are 17 and 21, kind of like the bookends. But uh, we want to read through the whole thing. So before we talk about reconciliation, I just want to give you a definition, first and foremost. Uh, what's, what does it mean to reconcile? What does it uh, what does that mean? What is reconciliation? So the word to reconcile, uh, essentially, if you want to just boil it down, very simple, it means to return to friendship or harmony. To restore friendship or harmony between two individuals, between two people, two groups of people, whatever it might be. So the dictionary definition to restore to friendship or harmony, to make compatible or congruent you make two sets of numbers add up to the same total. So if, you, if you're at a job and your job's to balance the, the check, checking ledger for your company against what the bank says you have, I know nobody balances their own checkbook anymore. I've already asked that question before. Any checkbook balancers out there? Just a couple. It's, it's a dying breed, I know. But you get a statement from the bank, you have a ledger, and the two really never agree. And you have to bring them it's called reconciling. You bring the two balances to where they equal each other. So to bring one thing into correspondence to another. So we hear this term reconcile. Now we're on. Huh? Hear this term reconcile a lot. Uh, how many married people do we have here today? All right. I won't ask if we have any divorcees because there's a 50% chance we do. But one reason, I'm not advocating divorce, but one reason people get divorced is, is a reason you can use. It's called irreconcilable differences. You've heard that term before, right? An irreconcilable difference is a difference that cannot or will not change. It's two people, they're married, they say we have this issue between us, it is irreconcilable, we can't adjust the differences enough, we just either we can't do it or we just don't want to do it, 
and we're going to split. I want to tell you with God, there's no such thing as an irreconcilable difference. There's none. There's not an issue that has ever stood between you and God that has not been dealt with in the body of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is this thing of, uh, of reconciliation. Trying to think how I need to shorten this because I really have too much to talk about today, but it's all important. Let me talk to the married people for a minute. Have you ever had an issue with your spouse? Today. Probably today. Maybe not. If not, week. Amen. <laughs> In order to reconcile with your spouse, the issue that stood between you has to be dealt with. The thing that either caused hostility, the thing that caused animosity, the thing that caused ill will, the thing that caused anger has to be dealt with, or reconciliation doesn't take place. See, a lot of times we just bring, as men, we bring flowers home and think that's reconciliation. Right? That is not reconciling anything. That might open the door to reconciliation. And flowers are not a bad thing. But flowers merely just cover over the issue. So here is what happens is, if you as a couple don't deal with the issue that's causing the difference between you, it'll always keep coming. You're just hiding it. It's under the surface. It's, it, it's really what the Old Testament law did. You remember in the Old Testament, when somebody was sinned, they would have to bring a blood sacrifice of an animal. And that blood sacrifice would only cover the sin. See, the sin issue was never dealt with. It was just covered up. But under the New Testament, Jesus literally removes that one issue that's between you and God. See, that's what we're going to talk about today is the thing... The, the, the difference that stood between man and God was one thing. Anybody know what it was? Sin. Sin was the issue. Up until Jesus came, we look in the Old Testament and we see God obviously dealing with sin in a very wrathful, judgmental way, right? We see the wrath of God coming out for people's sin all the time. Because God hates sin, and sin must be punished. He's a just God. See, there was that issue between man and God that, that had, couldn't be dealt with. It could only be covered up. And it kept coming up and coming up and coming up. But thank God when Jesus came, the issue got removed. The issue got dealt with once and for all. That's what I want to talk about today. So the ministry of reconciliation, let me just help you real quick. I want you to say this. God's not mad. And I want you to look at somebody and say, God's not mad at you. God's not mad at me. Let's say it again. God's not mad at me. God's not mad at you. I might be mad at you. You might be mad at you. But God's not mad at you. So, 
reconciliation to restore or to return to friendship or to bring into harmony. So let's, uh, let's read this. About three points today. We're going to go through quickly. And I've got a couple people I want to do like a little, uh, little skit. You guys okay with a skit today? I want to demonstrate the scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's just read through this. And then I want, here's the three points for today. We're going to talk about the means, these are all M's, the means of reconciliation. Number two is the message of reconciliation. And number three, the mandate of reconciliation. The means of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, and the mandate. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, I was going to tell you what it is, that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All right, anybody recognize some of those verses? So what, what I want to do today is I really want, just want to pull phrases because there's a lot of prepositional phrases, there's a lot of long sentences, and sometimes you get lost in, in the flow of what, what Paul's trying to say here. So I really want to, I want to try to break this down. So first of all, let's go to the next slide. We're going to talk about the means of reconciliation. The means means, I, I don't want to use the word method because this, it's not really a method because it's already been done. It's not something God's still doing. It's the means, it's the way that he did this. You know, so, so how can God restore man to a friend relationship? If God hates sin, man's sinful, how can God restore man to this, this harmony or this friendship thing? Well, look at this in verses 18, 19, and 21. It said, God has reconciled us. Now, who's Paul speaking to when he says us? Believers, okay? God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So here's what a lot of people, even believers, have a hard time remembering God's not mad at them. I've been made a friend of God. But that, that's not all Paul says here. Look what else he says. It said that God was in Christ, reconciling us to himself through Christ. He was in Christ, reconciling who? The world to himself. So... Christians have a hard enough time believing that they were reconciled, let alone that God has already reconciled the entire world. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, God reconciled us to himself through Christ, and that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do it? How could God, who is a holy, righteous, just God, adjust the difference, right? Uh, Reconciling is adjusting the difference. How could he adjust the difference between God and man? Because there was a big difference. It was called sin. And he didn't just adjust it for believers. He adjusted it for non-believers too. It says he adjusted it for the whole world. 
and he did it through Jesus. See, Jesus was the only person that could be an adequate sacrifice. Actually, he was an overpayment. He was better than adequate. He was more than enough. He was the only person that would qualify to pay for your sin. See, your sin demands a payment. That's death. Jesus, being the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, came to earth, took your sin, dealt with it, and did away with the issue. And because of Jesus, God can bring those two things and can reconcile God and man. And here's how he did it. It, said, see this? it says, not that the word starts with I. How did he do it? God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not doing what? What is imputing? Imputing their trespasses. So impute, to impute is just a big word. It's an accounting word. It means to put on someone's account. Right? So, anybody have a credit card? Or anybody have credit at some store? So, if you go to the store and you buy something, what do you say? Hey, put that on your credit. Put that on my account. And you walk out and don't pay, right? But the bill's coming. Right? The bill's coming. So, you might charge this. You might go next week. Hey, put that on my account. Put that on my account. Put that on my account. Every time that's put on your account, it's imputed. It's put on your account. And then at the end of the month, you get a bill. Not imputing something would be like if you went to a store and said, hey, I want to buy that over there. Oh, by the way, put that on Fred's account. Hey, put that on Fred's account. He'll pay the bill. I, I won't, but you can try it. So if they put your purchase on my account, that would be not imputing it to you. You incurred a debt. That debt was not put on your account, but it was put on mine. That's not imputing. So my son, my son, God love him, going to be 27 years old, and I think in two weeks. But when Frederick, Frederick was a little kid, we used to go to the pool at the country club way back in the day. And, and Frederick was not the ordinary little kid. You know, every little, other little kid's getting a little ice cream cone, and, and maybe they're getting a Kit Kat, and... And maybe they're going to get give me a, a slushie or what? No, not Frederick. Frederick would go order the gingham salad. <laughs> He'd go to the window and say, uh, "Could I have one gingham salad, extra big black uh, black blackberries, and some grilled chicken?" And, and uh, oh, by the way, throw throw a side of French onion soup in with my order. Five years old. He'd bring it back, he'd eat it, we'd get back next week. Hey, give me another one of them gingham salads, a little French onion soup. And then he'd come, he'd be like, I love this place, Dad. You order whatever you want, and you never have to pay for it. <laughs> it's the best. This place is so good. They get, I, I just tell them what I want. They make it, they give it to me, and it's all free. Oh, what little Frederick didn't know was old dad was getting that bill. <laughs> that bill was coming at the end of the month. But that was not imputing his charge onto his account. Onto mine. See, that's what Jesus did. Let me get a couple volunteers up here. I just want to show you this. I need, uh, I need four guys. Pastor Jay. 
Got four. There we go. Over here. Curtis, you're going to be Jesus. We'll let you play. To, will you play the lead today? All right. Wait, I need, where's, well, I, got, I need one more. I need four and Pastor Jay down here. All right. Come on up here, Pastor. All right. So, here we got three guys in their former life, all a bunch of sinners, right? Now I want you to have that I want you to have that look like you do when you get in an argument with Christine, all right? Yeah, yeah down. Yeah. You, you you got there you go. That's God. All right. So well you got that you got that down. You got that down. So here, here's God up in heaven rolling his eyes. Mm. So here's these three guys. Let's see. Let's see, who's the, who's, who's the biggest sinner here? Let's see, probably Hector. We'll give him the big ass. <laughs> I'm missing an S somewhere. Oh, here we go. You just got a couple, couple little, little S. Just one little S. Look at that. Look at this big S right here. And look, oh man, look at all, look at, look at all them S's. Sin, 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 sin. Here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter if it's a big sin. It doesn't matter if it's a whole bunch of sin. It doesn't matter if it's one little tiny white lie little sin. All sin is an affront to God. All sin will separate you from God. And all sin brings the wrath of God. See, there's a, there, up until Jesus, there's a war between God and man. God hates sin. God can't accept it. So what he did, he sent Jesus. What's the issue in this relationship? Right here, right? What has to be removed in order for reconciliation to take place? Sin. Here's what Jesus did. This is Mr. This is Mr. Righteous. He's righteous and holy. He comes down to earth and he takes all of that sin. Curtis died. He went in the baptism tub and he came back up. And all that sin's gone. Now the relationship's changed. Has any of them accepted Jesus yet? No. Because they're not yet righteous. But before they ever accepted Jesus, Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus dealt with the sin issue before you even knew you had one. He dealt with the sin issue. He eliminated the argument before you knew there was an argument. He removed the wrath before you even knew there was one. But for some reason, churches today keep wanting to tell you that God's mad at you. There's nothing left for God to be angry at. Because Jesus has already dealt with the issue that was underlying between man and God, and that was sin. Now, there's still one more step that has to take place. But I want to tell you that God reconciled 
not just believers, but the entire world to himself, brought them into a friend relationship because Jesus dealt with the issue once and for all time. All right, guys, thanks. Let's give him a hand. Thank you. Now, oh, yeah, now, now God has a big smile on his face. There he is. Next slide. Here's uh, Romans says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved for the life of his son. See, God did all that before you were even around. God's not mad at you, God's not angry at you, God's not, he doesn't have a reason to be. Because Jesus has already removed the sin, not just from believers, but from unbelievers. That's why I tell you, I've told you before, you can go to hell having your sins paid for. See, the payment's already been made, but the transaction's not complete. So you still have to believe in what he did and receive the payment that was made for that righteousness to be applied to your account. But regardless whether you do or don't, your sin's been paid for. The issue's been dealt with. God's not mad at you. All right, here's the message. God's restored, uh, reconciled, restored to friendship. Believers, as well as unbelievers, because of all our sin was placed on Jesus' account. Imputed. Everybody remember that word? Imputed. All right, next. The message. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and committed to us the word of reconciliation. The next verse says, and then we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is one that represents the wishes of a king or a president in another country. They speak on behalf of that person. They speak of the person that sent them. So here's what happens is, a lot of times when we go talk to people, we are made ambassadors. We are given the word of reconciliation, which means that the word is, God's not mad at you. God's imputed your sin to Jesus. God's not judging you for your sins. He's already judged Jesus. That's the gospel. See, a lot of times we want to make the gospel something that's not. Let me just tell you this. All of the gospel is truth, but not all truth is the gospel. Why? What does gospel mean? Good news. Kristen, if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. Is that true? Is that true? If Kristen doesn't accept Jesus, yeah. Is that good news? No. That's not good news. Going to hell is not good news. Sometimes you have to tell people bad news in order for good news to be good. See, if people don't know there's an issue, or there was an issue, or their destination's not the direction they thought it would be, they don't realize good news is good news. But it doesn't give us the right to change what the definition of the gospel is. 
The gospel is good news. The gospel is God's already made a way. God's already paid your debt. God's already placed your sin on Jesus. That's good news. But sometimes we want to, we want to shift it. We want to, we want to inject our flair in it. Turn or burn. That's not good news. It's true, but it's not the gospel. What did Paul say? Look what Paul said. In, uh, he said that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry. Here's everybody like, I want a ministry. What's my ministry? I, I want an apostolic ministry. I want a prophetic ministry. I want a healing ministry. I want a teaching ministry. What was Paul? He was an apostle, but look what his ministry was. See this connection between ministry and word? He said that I finished my course with joy in the ministry that was given to me by Jesus Christ that I may testify to the gospel of the grace of God. See, his ministry was to declare the good news about the grace of God. That was it. Matter of fact, you know what Paul said when we try to twist it? Look what he said in Galatians. He says to the Galatian church, see, when people try to confuse the gospel and add to it, he says this, I marvel that you're turning so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to, look at that, pervert the gospel. Pervert means to, to leave what the origin of it was. And when we, when we start to add to, take away, make it something that's not, we're no longer preaching the gospel, we're preaching a perverted gospel. And it's the gospel, the good news, that's the power of God to salvation. That's where the power of God is. So I look at it like this, that if a ministry is, the ministry, somebody's ministry, the effectiveness of that ministry weighs a lot on the word that's coming forth. Is it a message of condemnation? Is it a message of damnation? Is it a message of judgment? Or is it the message that Paul preached? Is it the message of God's, the gospel of God's grace? Is it the message that God loves you, that God's not angry with you, that God's not judging you for what you did, that Jesus has already paid for? That's the good news. That's the good news. So the means of reconciliation is through Jesus, and because Jesus came and removed the issue between man and God. The message of reconciliation is that, hey, God's not judging you for your sin. He's already judged Jesus. That the good news, the gospel of God's grace is that he loves you, he's made a way, and all you have to do is believe. It's simple. It's really simple, but we really overcomplicate it. God's not angry with you. Let's say it again. God's not angry with me. God's not angry with you. Any message that suggests God is still mad at you is a perverted gospel message. He can't be. He really can't be. Because the thing that used to make him mad isn't there anymore. See, what happens a lot of times is we read the New Testament through Old Testament glasses. And what we need to do is read the Old Testament with New Covenant of Grace glasses. We need to see what God's done through Jesus and where we are today, and how does that relate under the Old Covenant. Not take the Old Covenant and wear those glasses and look at the New.
that gets it backwards. Here's the last thing. Next slide. The mandate. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Here, be reconciled to God. That's the only thing we need to say. Be reconciled to God. See, God already did his part, right? What happens when, when people reconcile? There has to be two, right? I can tell you that sometimes I've said I'm sorry to my wife, and she says, well, I ain't sorry yet. Oh, but baby, I'm really sorry. Yeah, well, you can go sit and you're sorry. Uh, my wife doesn't do that. Today, today she did See, but God, God won't do that. See, God exhausted all his wrath and fury and judgment on Jesus. said that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins to them. So God's done his part. You have to do your part. Be out to God. Do you remember I told you the transaction wasn't complete? The transaction is not complete until you say, I do. I believe that. I receive what you've done for me, Jesus. And God will love you. Here's the truth, but this isn't the gospel. God will love you all the way to the gates of hell. He won't ever force you to take what he's done for you. The good news is he's already done it. And all you have to do is receive it. There's a question I want to ask you today. Have you been reconciled to God? God's not mad at you. God's not judging you. God's not angry with you. That issue's already been dealt with. And you have until you take your last breath to receive it. And then it's too late. Just don't know when that's going to be. Have you been reconciled to God? I want you to bow your head. And we're going to baptize some people today. And the people that are getting baptized have already been reconciled to God. They've already made their profession of faith in Him. But for those of you that are here, the rest of you, I want to ask you, have you been reconciled to God? And if you haven't, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Do you know that you know that you know that your sins have been forgiven? Have you put your faith in Jesus? If you don't know that and you want to do that, I just want you to, while nobody's looking, to slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up and I want to pray for you. Anybody here today? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. That 
person that raised your hand, I want to ask you if you would. I want you to come on up front here. We want to. We want you to. We want to celebrate with you. Would you feel comfortable coming up? And we want to pray with you right here. Okay. All right. So let's do this. Just say this in your heart. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus has already paid for my sin. I know you're not mad at me. You're not angry with me. But you love me. And you paid for all my sin. That Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And I received the payment he made for me. In Jesus' name.